Welcome to the Accounting Technology Fireside Chat Podcast. Now, sit back and enjoy while Nick and Trevor help you use your technology to make money and delight your clients. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Accounting Technology Fireside Chat. My name is Nick Bojard. I've got Trevor Shoemakers with me. Good morning, Trev. How are you? I'm very good, Nick. It's sunny, shiny. It's an absolutely smashing day down in Melbourne today. It's a smashing day in Sydney, too. There's blue skies. It's not really fireside chat weather, but there you go. No. (laughs) What are we doing? Well, you know, on the beach in the afternoon, you know. (laughs) How's your your lockdown going? It hasn't changed. It's very no, same here. Groundhog Day, you know. Yeah, I must say, being a data guy because I, you know, I'm a software developer, I'm into doing data. Um, it's a bit of a curse when it comes to all of this because you get um, modelling from guys like the Doherty Institute. We just had the New South Wales modelling released this morning, and the first thing I do is I load it all the data up in Power BI and just yell about their answers, going like, oh, I don't like your assumption there, and that's <laughs> been like politically motivated like and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, we're carrying on down here. I don't know. I thought we all knew about that Sydney were getting extra doses of vaccine. No, I thought it was all. It's it's not the extra doses of vaccine we all knew about. It's the 400,000 extra doses of vaccine they didn't tell you about. Oh, gosh. Your Premier found out about yesterday and upset him a little bit. But there we go. Yeah, dude, it did. Egg and spoon race and all this sort of stuff. (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't. I I love the way he's trying to pull himself back while yelling at, at the federal government going, and we're still going to keep with the national plan but oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh, and we've got one suburb what are they 97 90 90 something 97% or something like that first dose and 70 something double dosed and they're going let us out <laughs> Yeah, we're done. I'm, I'm we've about, done the right thing. I make it exciting by saying in Israel they've now decided unless you've had three doses, you're not fully vaccinated. Oh, so here this we will go. just keep rolling and rolling. But anyway, enough of enough of that. Ooh, doom and gloom. That. Let's get focused on some stuff. Let's talk Absolutely. about Absolutely. So I had a really interesting catch up with your team yesterday. Do you yeah, yeah, remember that? I and, do, um, I do. And one of the questions came, you know, let's write some software. To, they've got a problem with a client. I forget what the specific problem was. But they go, well, perhaps we could write some software to do it. And my first response was, oh, no, 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 you never do that. <laughs> so I thought we'd, we'd talk about that. So so give me the background on, on what the idea is before we before we dive into whether you should write so, software so, or not. Yeah, so the, the little idea that we brought up was uh, – that, that got brought up was a, uh, someone who's got a um, – bunch of trucks, plumber, mm-hmm. and he wants to um, keep track of the stock that he's got in each of his vans um, so and then replenish as needed and whatever gets taken out. But yeah. he doesn't want to use a stock management system. He wants it done it, in Excel with a power app attached oh, to it. Well, he didn't even know about a power app. He just wanted to put it into Excel. Okay, so first of all, why is the plumber making technology choices? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. I'm not going to tell him how to look, hook up my toilet. Um, don't tell me how to solve technology problems. Secondly, why doesn't he want to uh, inventory? There's this problem's been solved, right? There's lots of them out there, and you've implemented lots. Why doesn't he want to do that? Oh, uh, we haven't even had like that was the conversation we had with the accountant, okay. and he said, I don't want to do that. They get a bit frightened about inventory systems and the restrictions they've got, and it causes 
it basically impedes their ability to operate. They do get a bit worried about that because they may not be up to date with their purchases and, and so forth. But that's the concept of a system. Purchase mm. order, delivery, stock goes in, sale, sales order, um, it delivery, invoice, stock goes out. It follow that trail. And a yep. few people get caught up and they're busy, busy selling. They don't get to put in their information from their purchasing. So they say, well, I don't want a stock system because one, it's really expensive. And, but he has no idea with that. He's been probably, uh, who knows what he's been working around. He's probably not aware of what's out there in the market. And, um, Two, it inhibits my business because I can't oh, so, keep so up. That both, both of those are exciting. I'm going to deal with the um, – we'll, we'll talk about what you go through to – let's say we're going to build a, a piece of software for that. Let's kind of work work on what it goes through. So I'll, I'll kind of start with that supposition, but my first response would be never write software unless that's your business. Yes. <laughs> and the, and the reason, reason you should never write software unless that's your business is you need a number of people to write good software. You can't just have – one tech guy running software because that kind of doesn't work um there's a whole bunch you need to do around quality and all sorts of things and the next thing i'd say is never use excel to run your business because it's a really really poor tool it and this is this is where people fall into the trap they go but it's really flexible so i can just do what i want and you end up in a mess down the track you might as well have had nothing yeah um but Developing software is really expensive. So a a senior software developer in Australia will cost you, and if you're not a known company, um, you'll be paying you know top end market rate, which is in Sydney about two hundred and fifty k a year. Um, in Melbourne, it's about two two twenty five for a good software. Developer. Yeah, I, I I know, and you want to you know, and I've seen I've talked to you about that. You really want to partner up with your software developer, so you've got to come up with an idea. That your, that your software developer is going to be interested in to yep. do it at some sort of low cost, have an interest in it. Um, because and, and by, by low cost, we're talking a million bucks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I know. Even, I, I know. Is, I know what it costs. <laughs> yeah. If you, if you look at all of the pieces of software out there, even the ones not making money, for a commercial quality piece of software or even not commercial quality you, it's gonna cost you a million bucks to get right it's just not that easy so everybody's got all these ideas you know let's yep. this guy's got an idea he yeah, wants to manage of, his millions, stuff. millions of people have ideas it's about have ideas issue. oh can't you write me a software on that that's easy um we had some friends who we worked with up in queensland who employed all of their software developers and got themselves into a pickle yes because they were salespeople, they had an idea. They, you know, uh, the developer who they were working with didn't like them, so him, so got rid of him. Employed all these other people, and it cost them millions and millions and millions of dollars. And they didn't get what they. I, I've, I've, I know I've, I've, I bump into ones recently where they've hired software people, and software people have all left, left, or the software people have had nervous breakdowns because they struggle working with. So you've got to have that kind of the, the role is is what we call the architect role, and that's the role that buffers the business world and the software development world because they're they're two different things. And good software developers don't like working for business people, and it's almost <laughs> impossible to manage good software developers unless you have someone who knows what they're doing. In the oh, and, interesting, and, and, isn't it? Yeah, we used to do that a lot. You got you would get involved with people, you know, with our customers and that. But we would keep um, we keep Lawrence away from 
our Christ customers as much as we could, unless yeah, we're in really. You tend to keep your core devs away from customers because yeah. a it wastes their time. Yeah. Um, and and b that their job is not communicating with customers. Their job is to interpret requirements and write software, and that's a that's a highly complex task. It's not simple. Mm. No, it's not. It's not. And and so, so like, you, you go in there, you say, I've got a brilliant idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, my options are I employ someone, you know, I go, oh, it's easy, I can do it overseas. You know, a dime a dozen, go out through some Balkan state in the you know, eastern state and they're cheap as yep. chips over there. And then they go and write your software for you and, uh, yeah. And then, and so, um, so that's that's where people get really confused, especially you accountants and lawyers and people like that, because you're you're used to an hourly rate, right? And yeah. So you you look at the hourly rate of a senior software dev, dev in Sydney, and you go, oh, that's really expensive. And you go offshore, and it's like a fifth of the price. And you go, oh, look at that, it's it's obviously cheaper. So your instant gut reaction is to go, that's cheaper. But what happens is it takes them ten times the time of the good software developer, and they create rubbish code. So you end up paying more. And it takes longer, um, and not always, right? Not this is we're generalizing is broad brush strokes. Mm. Not always, right? Microsoft run some really great teams offshore, but they don't just have a team offshore. They have their technical management offshore. They have, um, if you're running software for Windows, there's a book this thick called the Windows Engineering Manual, which tells you how to write software that fits in with Windows. You don't just go, oh, I got a good idea. And then ask some software devs to build it for you. There's way more to it than that. Yeah, and and yeah. the other thing is, it's not it's not software is not a destination, right? It's a journey. It's done, yeah. But because you're if it's successful, de- you're doing it forever. Well, yeah, and your software doesn't run in isolation. So your software runs on top of operating systems and it runs on top of platforms and they're all getting upgraded over time. And if you're not continually upgrading your software. Um, it stops running over time. Mm. It stops being supported. It becomes a security risk. It stops running. It's not something you go, oh, it's going to cost me you know, this amount of money to build. I'll go build it. How much is it then going to cost you to maintain? And that's something we in the industry call technical debt. Right? How much yeah. do you have to keep paying to keep this thing alive? And I would say if you're a, I wouldn't, no matter really how big you are as a plumber, to invest the amount of money to deliver and maintain your own software, I would have thought would be cost prohibitive. And I, I don't see it really delivering any financial, massive financial value back to the business either. Well, not now because there are so many options. Uh, you know, if we just look at, you know, the amount of apps that are in available on store, like Microsoft Store, the different apps that you can just go and add in and plug in and they work together because of cloud. Cloud's developed that. You've got the Zero App Store. Even my ops building an application store yep. to, to plug in and play uh, QuickBooks, all of these things. There are solutions out there. And if you, you know, if you can't find the, you know, like uh, the whole thing, you know, 80%, if you get 80% there and you've got some little things that you want to do around it, that's better than, uh, you know, like you need some better reporting. We'll get some Power BI, make sure it integrates with Power BI, get some Power BI reporting. If you want it to do some automation, think about, that's where you start to use Power Apps. You don't build software using Power Apps. You use the Power Apps and Power Automate to automate, to, to fill the gaps. Yep, yeah, so so here's, here's some examples of, of Power Apps that have worked really well. So we work with a school and every term they go and do a bunch of tests on the school kids to see how fast they run and blah, 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 blah. And they're doing this out in the 
field and traditionally they'd write it down on paper then somebody would come back and put it into excel and somebody would spend months putting it together so they would they'd spend like a whole month of their time trying to put this together over the thousand students to get the results they needed and so that's then worth spending a couple of weeks where we instead of us building something for them we taught them as a business how to build power apps and when yeah. they knew as a business how to build power apps internally they built a power app to solve that data entry problem which is a super simple it's not a stock control system they're complex right it's a really really simple problem they were solving mm. it took a couple of weeks to build they're going to have to keep supporting it and upgrading it but it's better than the month it used to take you, and you've still got to have um some rules around that yep. in terms of data validation you've got to have some you know what is a second and what's 1.2 seconds and yeah, yeah, 10 and seconds and 15 seconds and timers in it and it picks off the student list so it's always always got the data in the right and the yeah, student's name yeah, and all and that you, stuff yeah you've got to get that right you can't have people hand typing stuff that that just creates rubbish data so you've got to do all mm. of that and then that puts it into a office 365 list which means you can then report it for of power bi so it kind of integrates into what they're doing now that's cool those types of things you're not really running an application as if just using the tools to extend what you're doing um but if you went and i know i remember years ago i went and wrote a double entry bookkeeping system in excel using excel macros to do all the work we had <laughs> sheets which had all the different ledgers it put it into a balance sheet and a PL and a trial balance and all of those kind of stuff when i was learning to be an accountant which we won't talk about anymore um but i, I wrote that up in excel for the next version of Excel came out and it really required a rewrite. So I'd left the organization by then and they were using it to deliver a critical output for a customer. How do you make that work all of a sudden when mm. you know, the guy, even an Excel spreadsheet with code in it, suddenly you can't support anymore. And that's that's kind of the thought. So if my idea would be, well, and we, so we say this even in enterprise, right? Buy before build. If you can find software out there which does what you want, right? Go buy. A lot, a lot of people have built like databases and that using access databases and then they've mm -hmm. turned it into a program. And, you know, um, there's some examples that you and I have worked on together um, of that. You know, that's again, you've got that situation where it, the technical debt, you know, like in that situation, the guy in the, the IT guy in the business became basically, you couldn't get rid of him. <laughs> You needed him forever. You get rid of him. You need him forever. And then when he leaves, it's an absolute nightmare. Um, whereas if you've if you've got a if you've got a system that's that's you know either third party or supported by a company, right? And you're you're going to pay for that. But if you've got that, then you know there's some longevity around it. It's not something that you know he's going to get jack of it and run away. But the other thing, the then the thing we get from customers is we go, we've got to upgrade your platform, right? We're working on one at the moment. I start with the customer. I go, we've got to upgrade the platform. Why? Because it's insecure, it's unsupported, and it's getting harder and harder to make changes. And he said, yeah, but we want to make these changes. I went, yes, each one of those is going to take you two weeks to do at the moment. If we go and spend mm. a few months and upgrade the code, um, those are going to take hours rather than weeks. And yeah. he said, yeah, but the business need. And, and, and I'm going to go, I'm kind of getting to the point where I go, well, luckily Microsoft turned around and said, well, to access the database you use, we're stopping that on the 22nd of August next year. So he's yeah. now got a timeline. If he doesn't get it upgraded by then, it won't work anymore. Yeah. And 
it, there's, you know, like there's just so many. What, what about the guy, you know, so you, you sit there and there's the, the internal IT guy and he comes up with ideas and he wants to, and then he, he basically creates himself a job. Whereas, yeah. you know, and he becomes ever reliant. I've got a, a another person I've been working with who's, who's, you know, gave his son a, a gig. They built yeah. a, they started off with an access database. They then, um, for a stock system, because they had all these variables that they couldn't get anywhere else in, in what they did. They had variables that no other stock system managed that variable for them. So, um, so I'd, I'd, I'd ask, why, why do you need those and why does that make you more competitive than your competitors? Uh, a lot, I, would a lot have, the, I would have solved it a lot easier than what they did. So, so, so let, me get, let me give you an example, right? The uh, railway gauge in America is four foot eight inches i think that's that's the size of the railway gauge mm. um and the reason that's the size of the railway gauge is it matches the wheel distance between horses and carts and the reason with the wheel distance between horses and carts were like that um actually went to the size of the ruts in the roman roads in the uk which was created by the chariots that the roman legionnaires used to use two thousand years ago which has led us all up to these standards all the way to the rail cars and that led to a limitation in the size of the the width of the solid fuel booster for the space shuttle because they had to deliver it by rail. So the size of the solid fuel booster for the space shuttle, what at its time was the most advanced vehicle in the world, was limited due to the width of chariot wheels invented uh, uh, two years ago. Yeah. So, so, so you get, get that kind of thing. And that's what happens in business, right? You come up with a process, a complex process, because you, know, you have to solve it somehow. And somebody, rather than doing putting science behind it, dreamed it up. And then when you come to look at software, you go, well, it doesn't match our process. And I think your process is wrong. I don't think you've got, some, unless you can tell me they've got something crazy unique Right. What they've got is they've got themselves stuck in a process that was poorly architected that they should probably ditch and go for a new, more modern one, which matches the software rather than the other way around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I would have solved it, you know, totally differently what they wanted to do. It's just that they wanted to come up with some automatic way of doing it. But then to build that automatic way, you know, um, you know, when I said, how much have you invested into this? And he said 750,000. And I said, but what about his wage and the yeah. downtime? And the testing, and the and I and I then it got up to around four million bucks, and he was <laughs> like, and he went like, oh shit, you know, and it's and they're stuck. Yep. And I said, so what are you going to do with it? You know, I said, do, is there something that's unique to your industry that you could sell out? And, and it is, no, it's just unique to my business. And it's how I operate. That's what I do. It's a it, and it was a very it was a valuation concept of um valuing the stock yep so there's a different way that they wanted to value the stock but based on market rates isn't there a industry standard way of valuing stocks trev you're an accountant <laughs> aren't you you you, you kind of know how to do that it's just he wanted to value at market at market rates and sell at um but still drive it through at cost he just had a different step in there but anyway um you know it helped him with what he did he's his son's now a software developer stuck in one place, and I'm thinking he would be better off working in a company like yours um, yeah, we, and expanding probably, his knowledge we, rather than sitting there probably, getting frustrated and with 
and, and abused by everybody in the office. <laughs> and probably unhirable, to be honest with you, because you, you get yeah. stuck in those ruts. And, and we, we, I don't, we don't look for people who get stuck in those types of ruts. We look for we look for people who've had experience across a bunch of things who, who've done it, who are going to be useful, not not stuck. And we also look for people who've had some formal training and yeah, at least have passed some certification and have done some mm, things which mm. show they can build commercial code. I and mean, people who you know, come out of school into a family business and yeah, there's a million examples of this where people have written access databases and stuff, and it's just it's all shonky. Yeah. So doom and gloom, enough doom and gloom. How would we go about it? I've got a brilliant idea, you know, and first thing I've got to go find out is, does anybody else have that same brilliant idea and written something to do my brilliant idea? Like, um, So someone uh, else. The, the other yes. is not, not shall I go, because your, your idea is not unique. There's, there's mm. no way really in this industry that somebody hasn't built something which comes close to what your idea is. And that's mm. just just the way of the world. And in any way, the value isn't in the idea. And I've met so many people who say, oh, I've had this idea. Isn't that valuable? And no, no, no ideas. There's, there's, I've, sat on, I've sat with venture capitalists. You get 20, 30, 40 brilliant ideas a day. They're all useless unless you can actually execute. Yeah. And sell it. And have customers who want to buy it, right? And yeah. have customers who want to implement it. Not just buy it, but buy it, implement it, and use it, and like it, and grow it. And, you know, Zero. here we go, Zero's idea wasn't new. Accounting software's been around for forever, right? They made it a bit prettier and made it work in your browser, but I think their key difference was an architectural one where two people could look at the same data at the same time, the accountant and the client. Right, that... That really was their first fundamental difference, right? I, I sort of feel too that the, the integration was the ability to integrate. And I think like things like the bank feeds. But you're right. The, the big key thing that they said was we both share the same data. We yeah. share the and ledger. Then, then bank feeds and reconciliation was probably yeah. the next highest. And, and there's, they had a bunch of innovations there. But none of those innovations, are, are, when you look at them now, are things you go, oh, that's a crazy good idea that nobody's had before, right? That's, no, exactly you know, um, right. Uh, uh, were doing bank feeds before Zero existed, right? Um, that was... Well, Zero were using them, weren't they? Yeah. yeah. So, so they, they've they originally just started plugging technology bits till they grew big enough that they could they could cast their own. But um, zeros cost over a billion dollars to build now, right? Yep. Right. Um, the like feature in Facebook was two hundred and forty million dollars. We were working with a building company recently, where they with we built a little app so you can snap a QR code. It takes you to a web browser and you put in which building site you're in. You know for COVID purposes. And um, some of the builders came back and they said, oh, we don't want to install a QR code reader on our phones. I'm like, really? Um, we want something like the Service New South Wales app, right? Which has its own QR code reader in it and blah, blah, blah. The budget for that app was $25 million. Yeah. Right? Yeah, people don't realize how you look at these things, you go, that's really simple and cool. That's crazy expensive to go build, you know? And the benefits, uh, and there, right? It's a brilliant app. It's been done really well. I'm, I'm. Not, it's not like COVID Safe, which was a really expensive rubbish app. The service yeah. app was great, and I know Victoria's used some of that code as well, and it's been shared around. So the apps are quite similar, which it, which is cool. Um, but there's a lot of money, and a lot of people worked very hard to make that happen. It wasn't one dev in Indonesia who built the app, right? Yeah, and, and so I, so I you go in country at random. Yeah. So let's say. <laughs> By some chance, there is something unique, 
and you go, cool, I've got something unique. Yep. Who do we go and see? Where do we, you know, like as a businessman, I, as a, you know, working with Ashford's, we go out and saw people in business and they've got, I reckon every meeting I have, I get asked a question, you know, would you be able to tweak this, put this? So some of the things we can do with Power Apps and Power BI and yep. Power Automate, and we can bring it together and we can fit the glue and connect bits and pieces. And then out of the left field, we get one that we go, never heard that before. Go and research it, try and find it, can't, can't find it. So we go out and we say, well, you know, now you've got to go and write that. So you've yep. got to get that um, developed. How do I do that? How do I go and do that? You tell well, you me come, how. Come, come to an org like mine. Um, mm. which is tribe tech and inside our business we have my development team um, and we we kind of half and half half of my team um, half of our time is spent building products we're going to sell and half of it is spent doing products for customers um, for example some of the ones i mentioned so if you have a mm. customer who has enough of a need right and and this is this is important if it's a yeah a single hairdresser and this piece of code's going to save them 10 bucks a week it's not worth the development to be honest with you, find another way. Yeah. If it's if we're talking, it's going to save them significant thousands of dollars. Then it's worth having a conversation because to write any code properly is an expensive proposition. We can do magic. We can make amazing things happen, and we do regularly. But there's a cost associated with it. Yeah. And then, um, and what's that relationship with you? Is it if I'm if I come in and get you to do it? Is there situations? So let's say I thought, ah, oh, you're going to come in and say, hey, isn't this a brilliant idea? Why don't you invest in this with me? No, we're not. We don't. We don't play that game at all. No, <laughs> we're, not, we're not going to do that. Especially due to the fact that you probably have no track record in building software. No. So we we never. I've learned my lesson with this. We never go and co-invest with an organization that doesn't have a track record in building software because building software is different to almost every other industry now if you were microsoft i'd certainly have a conversation with you because you know how to build good software you've spent 40 years doing it mm. um but if you're um another type of business those two operations are at conflict quite often um and it, it, it rarely does it work well mm. so um yeah you're back to all right come, i'm gonna go get it done cheap we'll, we'll, i'm gonna go do we'll, it get it done cheaper over in the eastern <laughs> Eastern yeah, and I've Europe got, a, I've got a, if, if I had a dollar for every organization who'd come to me and said, oh, you know, I've had it done offshore and, and now it's all broken. Can you come, you know, fix it or redevelop it or code it for us? What was, go the, back to the... what was the thing that we had um, <laughs> with our lovely friends who wouldn't pay the bill of the developer and all of a sudden their software wouldn't work? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you get lots of those as well. They're, so they're not paying the bill of the developer and then the software's not working and they, they wonder why. Do you, don't, don't, and then don't they come that. to you and say, can you fix it? You know, there's what, no. what's in there. Why isn't it working then? And, well, and then you're not going to pay my bill. Yeah, and then, then they turn around and say, but I paid this other developer N dollars, right? Can't you just do it for... No, and it's not this big pool that we all draw from and people give money <laughs> to. You, 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 you paid them, the money's gone, right? It's, it's, we're going to charge what we charge. So if you're a young person looking, yep. firstly, young person looking to get into software development, yep. two, two of uh, my team sparked a bit of interest yesterday and flicked it out and you gave them some direction to go and do some courses and a few other things to see if they things. really are interested. And it's, it's an aptitude thing, right? So um, software development is about um, lots of maths, lots of problem solving, you know, lots, of, lots of thinking about things mathematically because that's what computers do. 
Um, and so you need to have an aptitude in that space. You need to be a bit of a sciencey person. Um, if you're a creative person, you'll find software development quite a hard thing to do. It is a creative process, but it's not. To write good software, you've got to be a bit anal, or you've got to be a bit method methodical. You've got to write documentation. You've got to do a bunch of things you wouldn't normally like to do um, to actually get good quality software out of the door. But there's there's a, lots of free learning paths out there, and this is the, like all of the dev tools are now free. You know, obviously, you can go up and pay for things, but really, the development tools are free. There's a million free libraries out there. There's a million open source projects you can actually go and help with and volunteer your time and actually write code and submit it. So when you go for your interview, you know, somebody says, you know, what have you done? Well, even if you haven't had a job before, here's the projects I've committed to. Here's the changes I've made. This is now in shipping software. I've done this stuff, right? That actually, you can, you can do that without any commercial experience at all and actually prove how good you are that way. Yeah. Oh, a bit doom and gloom. Not, not really just don't don't you know fools rush in where angels fear to tread is probably more it's not doom and gloom you can solve a million things and there's there's stuff like excel and power apps and power automate and all sorts of stuff like that you can for quick fixes and, and quick automations they're amazing but yeah that's solving... i sort of see them as the glue i see them as a glue between various apps and you go okay and then you look at it and you go well okay is there a justification to improve that better but to turn around and say, I want to spend $25 million because my staff don't want to put QR code on their on their, yeah. on their their phone. It's yeah. cheaper to go and buy everybody a phone with a QR code and say, use yep. that. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it is. And there's, there's, it's the important thing is technical people will always gravitate towards a smart technical solution. You, as a business person, you've got to think of other ways to solve things before you always leap into let's write code. That sh and that's why that should be in your thought process. I've... I can't find something in market. Um, you know, it's, it, there's, there's nothing there which does what I want. Um, I've got a business case for it. I've got a budget for it. Let's then go look at writing some software to do it. Yep. And I'll finish with one of my stories that I had back when I was doing accounting before we moved into the zero space. And one of my clients said, I want to know where every one of my trucks, he was putting telephone poles up. I want to know where every bit of my, soft, of my trucks are. So I want a GPS tracker built on the uh, on in every truck so I can track where they are and then it will invoice based on the time that they're at that site mm -hmm. so they invoice the electricity company for their trucks or whatever to do all that and um, he spent a lot of money and never successfully got there and um, I think about six months after he went broke because of the amount of money he tried to spend to develop this all these products turned up on the Z Zero app store that do all GPS tracking and cost you $9 a vehicle or something, you know, and it was like, it, it just was that whole thing of he had an idea, thought it was a great idea, didn't jump into it, went and spoke to someone. They said, yeah, we can do it. And that is a real risk. I talk to you, Nick, and I go, hey, yeah, hi, Nick, you know, blah, 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 I've got a great idea. Can we do that? And you go, yeah, we can do that. I can write anything. And then I've, I've learned now, I go, and so how much is that going to cost? And you go, ah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's right. I'm, I've got this amazing set of systems in front of me. I can, we can build anything, right? We can make it do absolutely anything. It's a, what we call a SMOP, small matter of programming. And, and as long as we've got infinite time and infinite budget, we can solve any, any problem. But yeah, you've just got to be aware. Some things are expensive. Yeah. Hey, 
we've we've had a really good chat today. We've gone over over time a little bit, so um, let's wind up and uh, catch everybody next week, and we'll come up with some ideas. Cool. That sounds very. Listening to us or you're, you're watching us, make sure you subscribe, give us a like, um, leave a comment, let us know topics you'd like us to cover in the Accounting Technology Fireside Chat podcast. Um, and you can get us on uh, Audible now, you can get us on Amazon, we're on um, uh, uh, iTunes and every one of your favourite podcast players and we're in LinkedIn, YouTube and Facebook. We're, we're kind of everywhere now. It's really quite frightening, but, but there we are. So <laughs> all that's left to say, Trevor, thank you so much. Thanks again, Nick. And thanks all of you for listening and watching us. Have a great day.